and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. And on today's episode, we have Corey Homicide Williams. He bought the energy today, didn't he? Oh, that's for sure. Hearing his, his story and his journey of perseverance, dedication, uh, inspiration, he is, he is an all-around legend. And uh, if you don't leave this conversation or leave this podcast feeling inspired to go out there and make something of your life i don't i don't know what will make you do that oh mate just instant energy he was just looking straight through our soul i reckon the whole time he knows how to tell a story and uh i love i love i loved hearing the journey about he how he went from like the street ball into the pros and it's just absolutely insane let's make it rain rob mate for those who are listening at home uh who are you and what do you do my name is Corey williams I am a broadcasting analyst for the NBL Professional Basketball League in Australia. How did you get the nickname Homicide? Well, street basketball in New York City is is huge. Um, obviously, if you don't know, the mecca of basketball is New York, right? New York City. Everybody plays ball, right? You, from, you pump, from the moment you pop out of your mother's womb, there's a basketball in your hand, most of these kids. I, after college, did not have a big name or a big reputation, right? I didn't get, um, you know, the typical talented five-star prospect comes out of college, gets a big agent, puts up great numbers in college and goes to the NBA. That's not who I am. That's not my story. I'm the complete opposite. I was okay. I went to a mid-major university, graduated. Coach didn't help me. Numbers were basic, 12, 13 points a game. And um, after I graduated, the hard road was in front of me, real life. I want to play pro, but how do I do it? I'm not drafted. I go to no free agent camps. I'm, I'm just not on the radar at all for anything professionally. So in New York, we have street ball. Street ball is huge. This is where a lot of times NBA players in the summertime will play street basketball in New York. It's good pickup run for them, but for a lot of them, they want street credibility. It helps um, grassroots marketing and grassroots um, basketball gives you more credibility if you are able to dominate the playgrounds because it's gritty, it's hard, it's rough. Gives you your stripes, so to speak. And it also will help your brand because it helps sales. If the streets love you, they'll buy your product. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of different reasons NBA players that were good enough would play street ball. For me, that platform was where I got that nickname because I needed that playground to jumpstart my professional career. So going into how I got the nickname, it was, they said I killed, I committed basketball homicide on my opponent in the playground. So I literally had no alternative because nobody was checking for me. You know what I mean? And it was like, this is my only hope. Can I create professional basketball career from street ball? Like it is, just think about that. Like, were you guys from Melbourne? Yeah, yeah, Torquay, close, like an hour. Okay, yeah. okay. So, yeah, have you heard of, ever heard about the street ball tournament in Melbourne called the Paran Summer Jam? The three v three one. Nah, this is five on five, but this is one of the biggest street ball tournaments in 
Australia, right? And it's held in, in Melbourne, in Perim, Victoria. So imagine a kid who actually believes playing in that tournament is just a summer tournament, two days, just a weekend. He'd actually believe he can get a shot to the NBA. Like that's basically my odds, right? <laughs> and this is me just thinking I can create an opportunity. I can create something bigger than the actual situation I'm in, just based off of will, determination, and desire. I'm going to make something happen. But in order to do that, I got to kill everybody in front of me on the basketball court. That's how I got the nickname Homicide. Fuck. Oh, was it was the attitude reflecting the name? Or were, you, were you there going? This you is can't have a name like Homicide if it doesn't <laughs> reflect how you were playing. So that's what the MC on the court, he gives you a name based on your style of play. I graduated in 2000. That name still holds weight till this day. So tell you tell me if my game was reflected. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you get the nickname, you're going, fuck it, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna take this opportunity, I'm gonna go pro. How, how does how does that happen? What, that, there? that didn't happen that way. What happened was um my first job that I got paid to play basketball was you ready? I don't think you're ready, but I'll let you know. My first job um, was on tour with the Globetrotters, but I wasn't a Globetrotter. I was the team that fucking lost to the Globetrotters <laughs> every night. That team that they do the, the tricks with and all that, that's the first place I ever signed to go play somewhere. That's not even basketball. I'm trying to tell you where this thing began. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like, I looked at it like I have a glass half full mentality, right? I could easily say, man, what the fuck is this? This is some bullshit. Why am I even here? I should just stay home. Okay, well, stay home. Nobody's checking for you anyway. The journey has to start somewhere. What you have to realize is where I'm currently at is not where my end result is going to be. So it's mindset and what you see for yourself. So every time I drop a jewel like that, it will transition over to each level and each stage of my life when we continue to talk, right? Cool. So with that, I knew when that was finished and I got that opportunity from streetball, um, there was a big time coach as far as New York City playground is concerned who knew a lot of people. And they're like, listen, this is a guy you have to meet. You gotta meet him. I played against him for the first time. That's a lie. I played with his team. He was like, look, I, I spoke to him. I got his number. I said, listen, I need some help. I don't know anybody. I just need some help. And they're telling me that you are somebody that can help me. If you can, I need your help. He goes, look, I'm not going to promise you anything, but um, we got some more streetball tournaments. Just play with my team in, a di in this different tournament. Because in the summertime, there's a bunch of leagues, right? Think like a grade leagues right but i was just glorified because you got college all americans that play you got street ball legends you have professional athletes that want to play in the summers and you have guys that play like international pro not nba but international pro so when they come home everybody's playing in it so it's a great melting pot of talent that's playing in this 
with that, you know, and there's a lot of tournaments in the city. There's not just one. There's like 10, 20, 25 is a bunch. So I was playing in different ones because I wanted the exposure. The more you play, the more exposure you're going to get. So I'm playing all around the city in some tournaments that I'm not in. This coach was. So he said, look, come and play on my team in this tournament. I'm not the, the assistant coach or coach. I'm going to be at a different one. But he, he knows you're coming. You'll play. Finish the game of life. 35. Next one, he'll show me up. 40. Next one, he'll show me. 46. And then he finally, because he had other tournaments he was coaching, so he finally coached the game that I was actually playing in. I had maybe about 14 points, played like shit. So I was, I was sick. I was sick, and we lost because I knew everybody kept telling me, this is the guy who can help you. So now he finally coaches you and you lay an egg, right? So I was like, fuck, man. Like, you got to remember, nobody's checking for me. So there's no opportunity elsewhere. So I'm banking everything on this man seeing me and I lay an egg. So I was sick. He was like, man, don't worry about it, man. You know, you owe me one. But I'm, I'm again, when you have an opportunity, the last thing you want to do is disappoint when opportunities don't come to you. So I was like, fuck. That was a Friday. I played against his team on Sunday in a tournament. 55. <laughs> 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 I said, I'm playing against him. He heard about it. But when he coached me, he didn't see it. I got two days. I play against him again. He's about to see it right now on full display. After that, like, we were thick as thieves. We were tight as hell. But he was a guy, like, he was like, Corey, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you anything that I can't do. This, you know, this globetrotter thing, we get guys on that team. This is all we have. Because you still got to remember, I'm fresh out of college. I have no experience. My numbers aren't big. No pro experience, right? What pro team is going to hire me? Nobody. So I got to take what I can get. So that's why I was like, shit, all right, it's a start. It's better than being home. That's when I went on the, on the road, on the tour with the Globetrotters, right? So after that, I had an opportunity to jump in the minor league. I jumped in the minor league, averaged like 25. That's when I really had got like opportunity to play semi-pro, right? I did my thing. That got me a shot to go to the Dominican Republic. So then I signed a deal to finish up the rest of the year. I went there. And as an import, I always had planted in my head, if I can average 24 rebounds, four assists, those are solid numbers. That can get me somewhere. Because the league that I was, I was playing in the Dominican Republic, it was respected enough to where if you see an import average those numbers, he's okay, right? So now I'm thinking the next step, which is get a full season job somewhere and build off of that. I get a job in Brazil full time that following season. I go play in Brazil. And um, again, I finished averaging about 24 rebounds, four assists, right? Get some stats, get some film, you know, hopefully an agent, I can show them a body of work. It's small, but this is what I did a whole season in this country. This can get me somewhere. So from there, um, the agent wasn't able to land me a gig. I missed the whole season. So I had to stay home, 
which sucks. You get a gap in your resume and you already don't have a big name. It's trouble, right? So I'm like, fuck. All right, cool. That following summer, street ball. Street ball and pro is two different things, right? So in the summers, I got to build a name, but the name is building, right? It's building. So that next summer, I'm like, yo, fuck it again. And any one of these any one of these games could potentially get me some exposure on another level, right? Cool. Because you don't know what NBA player is going to show up. You don't know. So it's, in my head, can you imagine every game? I'm like, fuck, this could be the day. Let's hopefully they bring somebody out. All right, there's no NBA player. All right, let me just kill the other guys I'm playing against, right? So then um, a couple of times that happened. That next year, um, I ended up... Um, getting an opportunity to go to this agent saw my film and um, I got an opportunity to go to Treviso Summer League. This was in Treviso, Italy. Like this is like, think like NBA Summer League, but for overseas. So this was a big fucking deal. You got to get accepted to get in. The agent had somebody on the inside who they knew because they brought a couple of players in and he's like, yo, you could play. You just need a shot. All right, get you, if you can pay your plane ticket to, to Italy, I'll get you, I'll pay your fee into the camp and I'll get your hotel. I you get there, I'll take care of the rest, basically. I said done. Went there. Led the shit in scoring, right? <laughs> of course, remember, opportunity, legit opportunity. So I led the shit in scoring. I had maybe, maybe about four teams interested in me four different countries right and uh at the end of it i ended up going to israel to play right i signed a deal in israel but you know this is when i was younger and not that much experience with the middle east and um you know like the bombs was going off like shit that's going on right now that shit that shit's always been going on forever right so that happened i was like yo get me out of here i'm out and um, I left, went home, played somewhere again. And that's basically like when everything changed. Um, this summer, they called it the summer of homicide. The whole, the whole city painted in red, just know that. I pretty much averaged 40 everywhere. A team brought Ron Artest out to guard me. And um, I ended up finishing with 27. This is when he was with Indiana Pacers when he got defensive player of the year. And um, I got MVP at Rucker Park. That, that game and that summer changed my life, right? I ended up going overseas. I don't even know where I went that year. But I came back and uh, the first game at Rucker Park was uh, – this was their team. It was Kenny Satterfield. He was a point guard in the NBA. J.R. Smith, Dante Jones, and um, two other street ball legends. I finished that game with 47, right? And um, that, that was on NBA TV. And that game pretty much got me a shot to the NBA. So all of those things that I was saying before, like, man, I hope, you know, will there be NBA players? Man, nah, it ain't. Like, I knew at some point 
it was going to happen where I matched up, you know, to elevate, you can't play against players that are in the same pool as you kill them and think you're going to elevate. No, y'all all in the same fucking pool. You need to be play against players that are on a higher level, match up against them, bust their ass. Then, then you can really gauge, then you can get the exposure where people are talking, right? You're playing against guys that are starters in the NBA or they are literally in the rotation on their team. You're part of the eight-man rotation. So these are legitimate players, not a guy that's the 15th man on the bench, right? Because he's fucking one, a, a pick away from being where you're at. So he don't ma- it don't matter if you give a bench player 30 or 40 points. They're on the bench. You get what I'm saying? Get a guy that's in the rotation or a starter or a star. 30 or 40. Now, now there's a conversation to be had, right? So I got a shot to the NBA, the Toronto Raptors from the playground. The first player to ever do that. Oh my fucking God. Tell us a bit fucking, like in those times, like what was the self, self-determination or belief? Like were there moments where you're like, fuck, this isn't going to happen for me. I'm going to look differently about how do I approach this? Or is it more like, fuck this, I'm, I'm out of it. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is this is one of the jewels again. Um, I have a no plan B mentality. You know what I'm saying? I don't have. Well, if this doesn't work, I, I'll do this. For me, in my head, that's like saying I'm committed to my life partner. Right? I'm in a committed relationship. But if this don't work out, I got another chick on the side. How the fuck is their plan A going to work if you already are putting in time to your plan B? Explain that to me. No, yeah, you're 100% right. It's just the focus, isn't it? It's just, that's my life. This is going to happen one way or another. There you go. And showing up every day, yeah? Showing up there every you go. day. I am going to, this shit got to work. It owes me. That's how hard I'm going for it. It got no choice but to pay off. That's the mentality that I have. And everybody doesn't understand that. I don't need everybody to understand it. I just need to understand it because it's my life. So that's how I approached it. This shit is going to happen. There's no way it's not. I'm working way too hard. I'm devoted. I'm focused. You know what I mean? I'm giving all my blood, sweat, and tears, my time, my energy, my efforts to this. It's going to work. So, you know, I got the shot. Um, I made the whole, did preseason. I played preseason games and um, I got waived. And then... I went to the minor league and I was like Rajon Rondo before Rondo. I led it with the most triple doubles. You know, mind you, I was a little old. I got my shot at 27. So at this point, I'm 28 in the minor leagues. Um, we lost to go to the championship. I ended up going overseas and then I played NBA summer league with Indiana Pacers. Then after that, I went to training camp with uh, Denver Nuggets. Got waived. Right. Preseason got waived, then went to the minor league again, won the championship. I was a starting point guard, went to summer league, went to Golden State Warriors summer league. After that, I'm like, I'm like 30 years old. I I love this, but I can't keep chasing it. I'm not going to make them be I'm older. But what does my resume look like at this point? Solid as fuck. (laughs) There you go. Right? So the whole thing is, is another jewel. Don't watch nobody else. Recognize what your win looks like. 
So my win is, where did I start? What was my first job? Globetrotters playing against them, right? Right. What does my resume look like now? NBA camp, minor league, summer league, mini camp, NBA training camp, minor league, champion, summer league. All that just looks like and shows you I'm a borderline NBA player. What do you think my salary is going to do at this point when it's time to go overseas proper? You're going to get on a bigger club. You're going to get a better salary. You're going to get a better agent. You're going to be in better situations to do well because the team that's going to hire you overseas sees more value in you. Here's the ball. Do your thing. Now it's a matter of your agent putting your, your skill set in the right space for you to flourish and do well. What countries works well with your set of skills, right? You have a unique set of skills. Every basketball player ain't the same. So put me in a country where my set of skills, chances are I will do well and flourish. This point, enter Australia. I come into the NBA. He was right. I hit the ground running. I had a really good run when I played here, right? I played three consecutive seasons with Townsville. My first season, after five games, they offered me a two-year extension, okay? But clearly my agent put me in the right space for it to work. Mm. I leave there, I go to a EuroLeague team because the NBL season is short. So when it's short, you can jump to play in other leagues to finish up the rest of their season. Sometimes you go to Europe, you go to South America or what have you. So at that point, I went to Europe. I finished, did well in my first year. Um, and then I jumped and I played with a EuroLeague club in Croatia. Left it over there. I signed my two-year deal to return to Townsville. Year two was when we um, we upset Perth Wildcats. And um, that shit was the game changer for me. It was a game changer. And then year three, I ended up, um, we lost to go to the grand final. And in year three, we lost again uh, to go to the grand final. And I got MVP of the league in, in, uh, for the NBL. I left, I went to Greece. And uh, they didn't pay me. I went to a good club in Greece. They didn't pay me. And I left. And I signed late with the Melbourne Tigers for my fourth season in Australia. And um, after that ran out, after that season was over, um, I ended up going to the Middle East for five seasons. Played all over in the Middle East, UAE, Iraq, Lebanon. I was mainly in Beirut. And um, I came and visited Australia, some mates over here, because they wanted me uh, over here for a streetball tournament. And um, as an ambassador, and I started um, posting photos on social media and the NBL got, got wind of me being in the country. Reached out and offered me an opportunity to, uh, they wanted me to broadcast in the NBL. I was still playing. It was just the off season to go back to Lebanon. But I saw, I'll get to that in a second. I'll just stop there. Like, this is just how like, I kind of like got back into Australia. Your oh, story man. is so insane. Oh, I'm so, it's just. Did you ever think about doing commentary or broadcasting while you were playing? Or did, did people say, hey, when you're done, like you should be doing this sort of stuff? Or was it just like you got the opportunity and said, fuck yeah, I'll try it and, and see how it goes? Well, the thing is, 
I've always been doing commentary as a player. I was never shy of the camera. I always spoke to the camera. That's how you can tell someone's personality. You're an athlete and you play. Nobody knows if you have a personality until you speak. So the biggest help for me was two things. One, street ball, because as big as the biggest NBA player is in their respective arena, I had that respect in the world for street ball. So I always had cameras in front of me. Like I had my own sneaker deal with a company called K1X based in Munich, Germany. Germany. I had my own sneaker deal sold. I had my own sneakers sold in Foot Locker International. Billboards all over the world. So there's nothing that I haven't done that an NBA player ain't done. Only thing missing is they played in the NBA and they got a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. That's the only thing that I don't have. But there's nothing. I've been in films. I've been in documentaries. I've been in magazine covers. You know, um, I've been written about clearly and um, played 14 years pro globally. You know what I mean? I'm on my third passport. So if anything, if anything, I've traveled way more than the average NBA player. You know what I mean? They've been domestic and grateful for them. You know, that's what you want to do. Play, you know, the ultimate goal is to play in the USA in, in the NBA. But um, what I've been able to do with, with my life, I've, it's always been in front of the camera. So I've always was comfortable. You know, like I'm, I actually am obsessed with basketball. So you're paying me to talk about a game that I've had success with and I'm obsessed with. I don't need training for that. My training for it was playing, you know what I mean? So I don't have to, like, I'm not a guy that needed to go to school for it. There's things you got to fine tune to get better at, but I talk, I call it as I see it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why what you saying, did somebody tell you that? Nah, I was just like, I do this anyway. When I watch games, I talk like how I commentate with no camera in front of me. So I was like, this is something, if I can't do nothing else, I can do this. So that's how like, you know, it kind of, um, it, it, it went when I, when I saw the vision, you know what I mean? I saw it, I said, you know, I had success on the ground in this country, playing, I built a fan base, playing, and now you want me to talk about it? Well, it makes sense. You know, let's, let's have a crack at it. What do you think of the state of Aussie basketball at the moment? There's been some interesting things going on. LaMelo Ball's gone. He came here. He's gone back over. He's dominated this year. He would have been, would have liked to see him play the rest of the year if he didn't break his wrist. He'd come back early, you know, but like, what do you think of, is it now seeing, like NBA players are flocking to it. Sean Livingston, what did he try and buy? What did, is Illawarra Hawks, is he? Yeah, there's a bunch of people that's just putting, they want to be on stakeholders in the NBL. Um, the state of basketball in Australia couldn't couldn't be better. All right, Let, I'm gonna break it down for you. The most participated sport on the grassroots level is basketball. Right, your junior level boys. One of the best academies in the world, which is um, Australian Institute of Sport (AIS). Right, the NBA Academy up there. 
your men's league now is one of the best in the world. I'm going to tell you it's the best outside of the NBA. Not because I work for the NBL, but I'm going to tell you the facts. The first place team could lose to the last place team. The average winning margin is 10 points a game, which means it's very rare you're going to see a blowout, right? I've been in leagues, top leagues in the world, where your imports don't have to play against your, your bottom half of the league because it's so weak. It's, a, it's such a gap in talent. That's not telling me your league is strong because it's not equally balanced. You know what I mean? If your imports don't play in this league, you're losing, easily losing. You know what I'm saying? So that tells me a lot about the level of the competition from top to bottom, one. Two, you're going to get paid on time. I just told you I played, I was signed to a big team in Greece and didn't get paid. How the fuck is that league good then? If I can't get paid, why is your league good? Your league ain't good, man. That's it. Your league ain't good. You don't take care of the players. Here, I forgot I got paid. That's how you don't even worry about your salaries. Direct deposit. You know what I mean? Three, lifestyle. Four, weather. Five, people speak English. This is the closest thing to America. Mm. Right? Then, Larry Kesselman. Crowds are up every year, but I can't name a league that has taken five teams of his eight teams to the NBA to play preseason. And some of those teams played twice. It's never happened before. I'm telling you, it's never happened before. These are the type of plays that are happening here. Now, on top of that, Mellow Ball comes and RJ Hampton comes. Mellow plays his way up to arguably the number one pick in the draft. The whole world is watching that next star's initiative which is an experiment to see if these potential one and done kids one and done meaning guys that usually couldn't go to college for one year they're done and they're off to the nba you can come here prepare for the nba by playing in a high competitive league with grown men that's one of the best leagues in the world it's going to help prepare you if you ball if your balls are big enough come over here and see how good you are and if you can if you do well it'll better prepare you for the next step, which is a transition to the NBA. Mellow Ball came and played his way up, arguably number one pick. And now for him to be doing what he did this past season, my opinion, he's still rookie of the year, right? With all of that, you know how many eyes and ears are focused on this league right now? A bunch. And when there's talent, other people are going to get exposure as well. So they not only see those two guys, they're seeing other imports and other local players. Will Magnate signed a two-way deal with New Orleans. Jay Sean Tate signed a three-year deal with Houston. Cam Oliver right now just finished the season with Houston. You know, Jock Landale right now, he'll be in the NBA next season. John Mooney, he'll be in the NBA next season. You know, so Josh Giddy, he'll be top, top 10 pick, in my opinion, in the NBA. So the exposure that the leagues has has now it's never been like that before. You know, it's only going to continue to go up. It's exciting. I just think a lot of like from a sports perspective, like we're we've got an Australian sport. The AFL started here, right? I feel like we we talked about it the other day is people are starting to see like different sports into the market, but like 
contact sports, head injuries, shit happens, bad things can happen in these full contact sports. And there's an opportunity with basketball. It's like footy, you can only get so far. So you're capped. But sports like basketball or soccer, whatever it is, and you can be go and become like, like, like exactly your same experience you've talked about. You've gone and you've traveled all over the world. You've, your skills set have taken you to this bigger opportunity. Exactly. And I'm um, very grateful for it. I love footy, but I get what you're saying. You know, I'm a Bombers fan. We three straight right now. We might win this weekend too, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, you're absolutely right. I came here. This is my fourth season commentating. My first year commentating, I was in the office and I said, let me explain something to y'all. I said, right now, footy is it. I get it. That's Australia's sport. The marinas on a, on a post-COVID, pre-COVID, 90,000, 80,000, 50,000. The numbers are ridiculous. I said, but a lot of, that's old school Aussie, right? A lot of international um, influence are now in this country. People are migrating to Australia. That's not their first sport. Right. Then you said, like you just said, contact sport, concussion, you know, all of these things. Nobody wants their kids with all with these things, with this type of sport. Right. So if that's already not my primary sport because of wherever I come from and I moved here, that's the secondary sport or not. Maybe a sport that I'm not even interested in or for my child to be interested in. Where do you think they're going to go? Basketball. On the lowest level, it's the most participated sport. It's cheap and it's common, right? So if I don't want my kid to get hurt, I'm gonna want my kid to play ball. I said to them in the office, I said, look, don't be surprised if the numbers start dwindling. And I ain't talking about now. I'm talking about maybe 20 years from now, right? If I have a kid here, what do you think my kid gonna play? I'm not playing footy, I'm playing, of course. Or anything the way they can, it's very, it's very un- unlikely to get a concussion. I'm just saying, like the the sport is going to continue to grow. I was on, I was on SEN the other day, and you know, right now, me, Nick Kyrgios, Scott Pendlebury, some trash talking about hoops going on, right? And I don't know if people know what Pendlebury was a gun, right? He gave up his basketball scholarship to play footy. Patty Mills got the scholarship, the rest is history, right? So as awesome as a career Scott Pendlebury had, I asked him a couple years ago when I met him, I said, why did you choose AFL? He said, because back in those days, there wasn't really a legit future for basketball, Mm. right? So you figure you 17, you 18 years old, AFL like, yo, here's a hundred grand. Here's a buck 10. Here's 90. There ain't no future in basketball. What kid that age ain't going to take that, even if he don't love it? You're paying me six figures. I'm going to learn to love it. Now, fast forward. Now, kids are seeing this is a legit pathway. The, ex, the, 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 the experiment for Aussies to get that this can really work was Josh Giddy. I'll tell you why. Melo set the bar. RJ set the bar that this experiment is legit. It can work. This next star's experience. But they ain't Ozzy. 
you needed an Aussie to show other Aussies below him, this is legit. So when that man, that young man's name gets called in America, watch the effect after that. He's the future of Australian basketball. I like that. Oh, I'm loving everything you're fucking saying. Tell us about, like, I want to talk about the brand building in, in the different countries and the different, you know, we were talking about this before, weren't we? Well, how do you, like, yeah. for, for people who are listening, maybe if it's not in your experience, like, how do you grow a personal brand? You know, like, what goes, in, what goes into the dimensions of how do you make sure that's all in line and it stays the narrative that you want it to be? Right. Well, how I've grown my brand was, my goal was to be, when I came to Australia, I said, post-basketball, this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be the biggest voice and the most influential voice in basketball in this country, period. Period. How do I do that? And I'm starting from the ground up. I got no PR. I got no marketing. I have no support pushing this. Right? Because if you think about it, have you ever seen somebody like me on television in Australia talking about sport the way I do? Pretty conservative, I reckon, in terms of... Uh, so that's a no. Yeah, that's a no. Okay. So with that, there's already... I got to create something because it ain't been there before. It's never been seen before, right? So whenever you're creating something that you've never seen before, right, and it's foreign, what's the first thing to do to it? It's not support it. It's to push it back. It's like, yo, what the fuck is this? We don't do this stuff. What is this? How is this guy talking like this? This is not right. What is this? So understanding me already understanding that's going to happen anywhere in the world. Right. If you do stuff a certain way and somebody's trying to come in and do it a different way. It'll always be pushed back. It's like we don't cross the street this way. We cross the street this way. Anyway, I already knew by living here what I needed to do. Right. So I kind of understood like a blueprint on how to how to make this this car work, how to make this train go. Right. So I followed the blueprint. I ain't giving out all my secrets on how the blueprint went, but I followed a specific blueprint. I understood that um, the goal was to ensure that I am able to get on other sporting codes talking about this sport. How to do that. Basketball at this point was like fifth, right? Shit was fighting with netball at that point years ago. So um, as far as ratings, because that's how low the viewership was for basketball, for the NBL. So, okay, we got we to gotta shake this thing up a little bit. You know who Stephen A. Smith is? You know who Shannon Sharp is? You know who Jalen Rose is? How do they approach it? They're themselves. They're themselves, though. You know what I mean? They're themselves. So I knew I have, I have the energy and passion like Stephen A. Got a little bit of style and swagger like Jalen. And I still have basketball IQ like Mark Jackson, right? So I had to combine all of those three in one and, and be myself, taking all three of their styles and doing it my way and give it to people. And I knew the, the average basketball head would get it. But I also knew I had to, I had to shake shit up a little bit. <laughs> That's what I had to do, because had I come in and just talk like this, I don't stand out. 
but to stand out and get your attention, you'd be like, yo, did you hear what this guy said? What the hell is he? The point was I needed to get people talking first, right? I needed to get people talking. So I wasn't saying anything that I didn't believe, but it was my delivery and how I said it because again, I'm the complete opposite of conservative. The complete, happily. So it's like, all of those people is like, yo, who is this guy? How can he say this about this guy? And then if you didn't know, it's like, yo, like this guy was the MVP of the league. Like that's homicide. Like he put in work. So then when you look back and you're like, oh, okay, I can see why he can say that because one, we're valid on the basketball court with what we did here, right? So you can't say like, how can a guy talk like this and he don't even play? Oh, he wasn't good. You can't say that. So I could talk the talk because I backed it up on the court. So that gave me that. So anybody else that wanted to debate, I was okay with that. Let's talk about it, right? Let me give you something from my perspective. And maybe you didn't think about it the way I was thinking about it. And then once I say it, it's like, oh, shit, he, he got a point with how he's saying this. You know what I mean? So it was just about getting people talking. Year one, we did that. Then I would do things like, I was talking all day on social media, getting people engaged, right? You talking to each other, that's one thing. But me talking with all of you is another thing. Then I knew the biggest fan base in basketball is my arch enemies anyway, the Perth Wildcats. So it's like, I'll never pick them to win. I'm never impressed by them. So that rivalry organically picked up right where we left off when we played against each other. They hated me. I hated them. So that was even better for the commentary. So now I'm on social media talking with all of them, going back and forth, joining, talking shit. What am I doing? Engaging, creating engagement. So that finished. Next year it came in. All right, we did that. We build on it, but we don't just, we're not a one trick pony, right? So we continue to add other levels of the brand. Right. So now we're going on other shows. They want to talk more what you've been doing, what you did in the past, blah, 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 blah. So now you become more insightful. You talk about your life. You talk about how, you know, I didn't end up planning on this happening. You know, I have two college degrees. My major was criminal justice. I didn't plan on going into the, the system. You know, I didn't plan on being a lawyer. I had no, no plans on that. I needed to make sure I graduated. So my mother was happy with the degrees. And I, my question was, you know what, to do what, to who? But I specialized in juvenile justice because it was about me being able to touch the young kids at that age, 13 to 18. Because that's the age where you're going to be on to keep yourself on a straight and narrow, or you're going to make one mistake and could change the course of your life. So I wanted to, if I were to use that degree, it was more for juvenile justice. Let's talk to these kids before they mess up. I could reach out and touch. I'm from the hood and I was able to do what I want to do and graduate. You don't have to go that other route thinking that's the cool way. I'm cool as fuck and I went the straight and narrow route. So let me show you, you can be cool and go straight and narrow. You know what I mean? Anybody that's saying the peer pressure that you ain't cool and you need to do this and you do this, this negative stuff, that ain't it. That's going to get you dead or in prison or dying in prison. That's not what you want to do. 
come on over here and do it this way. So that's why I got that degree to be an example. But um, brand building was just all about how you look, how you talk, being organic, being um, authentic. Um, I always wanted to, I knew I was going to be, I was a, knew I was going to be okay because um, I think the biggest thing that helped me more was traveling, experiencing different cultures. So I understood how to deal with people. Team, team basketball helped me a lot because working with different personalities, understanding what works best with this type. I've been around damn near every type. So um, from an aristocrat to fucking bum in the street. So they not too many different types. I not don't not know how to deal with, you know what I mean? So that's helped me a lot in growing. I am a citizen of the world. That's what I consider myself. Um, and that's helped me in so many different ways. And uh, I think that in itself was like the biggest part of building the brand, understanding if you out the country, how to move, uh, where to go, what not to go. Being from New York gave me a third eye and a sixth sense. I know negative vibes all day and not to be around it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that helps me a lot in traveling um, in my journey in the world. You know, everybody don't mean you, everybody don't mean you good just because it looks good. So there was just a lot of things that I needed to understand and, and maneuver into building my brand. It was more what I wanted to do and mastering those um, departments that would have added the value to those spaces for me to be where I'm at. Like now, four years later, I'm going to the Olympics to commentate three on three, right? I'm now, um, I have, I'm hosting a show on NBA Australia's platform, right? Just interviewed Gary Payton and Sean Kemp the other day. Those are the OGs, right? These are icons of the game on NBA. I just hosted the Hennessy NBA event in um, Bondi Beach at Iceberg in Sydney. Unreal, right? I, I ended up interviewing um, Bogut, which was dope. Uh, Shaq is coming to the country. I'll be hosting, hosting the three-city tour when he gets here, you know, um, Jason Tatum, I had an opportunity to interview. I was um, sideline reporter for World Cup when Team USA beat the Boomers. I'm sorry, when the Boomers beat Team USA in Marvel last year. Like, SEN Radio, when I get on, like, I'm about to do something big with them as well. You know, so I have my own platform, obviously, with why I'm here with the NBL. You know, so, and I'm starting something with, the, with, these, with these young cats out here called Oz Hoops. And we're going to focus on the young next up and coming talent, right? So it's like, what did I say I wanted to do out here? Be the biggest influential voice in basketball, right? So what do we have? We got the Olympics, right? We got NBL, we on the NBA platform. I'm on sport radio, right? And now I'm about to rock with Oz Hoopers. So what do we cover? Grassroots, pro, 3x3, which is the new um, street ball and pro, which is the 3x3. That's what I'm going to do for, for that. Now we're interviewing NBA players when they come out here. I mean, that's pretty much basketball in this country. Man. Oh, my God. I'm so pumped to release this episode. <laughs> this has been such a good episode. Thank you so much for fucking letting us in on your story and your experiences. Like, this is for people who are listening about how do you What's your, like, all right, well, I got one more question, which is what is your definition of being a pro? Getting paid to do something. 
You're not a professional if you don't get paid to do it. Why is a pro only an NBA player? Who says that? That's the highest level of pro. But mid-level of pro is the mid-level of pro, the G League or Euro League or NBL. It's all pros, right? If you're the man, if you're the MVP of the G League, right, versus a guy that's on the Lakers and he's the 15th man on the bench, never takes his clothes off to get in the game, right? Never takes his, his warm-up off. Who's the pro? You don't even play. You don't even play. Mm. Who do you think enjoying a career more? Person playing minutes. Goddamn right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you're getting paid to do something, you are a professional. That's it. They're the, they're the 1%. Just because you're in the top 20%. You know what I mean? Like the, the 20 to 30%. You ain't a pro. Get the fuck out of here. Don't listen to nobody saying it. Who's telling you that? Like, what are they doing? You know what I'm saying? What do they do? Mm. What do they do? For them to say, that's not pro. The fuck out of here. You ain't a fucking pro. That's what you tell them. This this will be the guy that's saying that, that don't even play ball. Mm. You know? Pro is somebody that gets paid to play basketball. There's higher levels of it, right? Mm. And that's how I see it. Same, same. What about what about what gives you energy back in your life? Like we got a we got a question centered around our um, sponsor of the show, Heaps Normal Non-Alcoholic Beer. And one of the questions we like to ask is, um, what's your version of Heaps Normal? Like, what gives you energy back in your life? Like, when when the chips are down or something, you might be plenty going on. How do you sort of reset and fill that cup back up? Well, how I reset is I just. I just always think about my end result. You know, I have a daughter. My daughter, Isabella. I started in the basement and I got lucky, right? She'll start on second base. You gotta get your you gotta get yourself home through third base and home. But you ain't starting no basement. So I ain't no time to be tired. I'm close, but I ain't there yet. You know what I mean? I, oh, there's always higher levels to reach. There's always goals. So it's like. Once I started this this um, chapter after the game, the goals are reset, right? The, my my goals are reset. So, all right, how are we gonna? The goal is to dominate Australia and continue to push the game forward, right? The voice of the game, the voice of the, the voice of the lifestyle, and the voice of the culture, like, and dominate it, and push it for the better. That's the whole thing where it's, man, all right, I heard what that guy said, but let's wait till what homicide says. <laughs> like, let's hear what homicide thinks because we know it's real, it's raw, it's unfiltered. He doesn't sit the fence, whether he's right or wrong, he's telling you his opinion. I ain't no fence sitter. I don't wear a mask. I don't fake the funk because I don't have to. I, um, there's no favorites. I don't have like, I'm not involved in like a club where dang, I can't say what I really feel because you know, I might hurt this person's feelings and no, nah, I stay clear away from that. I don't have a favorite team. You know, I, there's teams I like, but 
you know, I don't bandwagon for a specific team and I'm biased with what I'm saying. I'm like, nah, this is what I think. Mm. I saw what you were saying on, on Instagram about, oh, I forget what the, it was at the South East. Melbourne Feet, South East Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is so fucking honest. Like it, it's, it's rare. Like we think other sports, it doesn't happen here, does it? Like, no, we're, that, not that, we're not as like, we're not as openly critical about performance. It's very, but then it, I think the way that media portrays things here, it's more like subtle things that extend on too long rather than just telling it how it is and then yeah. moving on. Right, right. Well, um, I can't, I think that I'm not trying to, with, 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 with what I do, I'm not attempting to change the culture. I'm just adding a different layer to it. So you got a choice, you know what I mean? Because too much of me would probably be too much. You know what I'm saying? So I think um, with basketball, at least we, we're providing a, a balance. At least there's an individual that ain't afraid. You know what I mean? Like if there's guys that, you know, cause it's Australian culture, that's what it is. You know, guys aren't really built to say direct things. It's built to like, you know, dress it up or maybe fence it sometime or, you know, not, not be as direct and that's okay. You know what I mean? But I'm just glad that Larry Kessman was like, this is the guy. <laughs> oh, so shout we out to him. We're fucking big, big fans. We're big fans of refreshing take. Cause we always think about that and we're like, we just, people just need to be a bit more, up front with well, how that's they, how the yeah. world works and i think it's like you bring in eyes to the sport you bring in like you talk it's the attention game it's like you're playing in the media world but if you don't share things it's not going to go people aren't going to talk they're not going to share it. you're not going to talk it's like it doesn't put eyes and no eyes means no money for the league which means no growth you can't get better players there you go and then we'll be back in the same place we were 10 10 years ago where the sport was dead you know what i mean it was in the cemetery so I'm grateful to be a part of the resurgence in the way that I am. I'm grateful for what the NBL has done, um, what it's doing and what it's continuing to do and where it's going. I'm, I'm so excited to um, be a part of something that was pretty much resurrected, you know what I mean, from the ground. So um, we're very, very grateful for that, man. Well, mate, homicide. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on and having a chat. Look at that fucking oh, mind, fellas. There's a look. There's all the gold you need, baby. <laughs> what a fucking oh. Hey, Al Bradford. I'll tell you what. Style master. Oh, homicide. Mate. How's his kits on Instagram? It's making me want to run through walls. This cat. He's the coolest dude on the planet, isn't he? I just feel like he's. I feel like we've got to up our game, our style game a little bit. When he, he's a he's very smooth, smooth operator. I would say swaggy. Yeah, you like yeah, swag? Yeah, I'd say he's a bit swaggy. Swaggy daggy do. I don't know. He's just he's got something going, doesn't he? I like that he's 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 come to Oz. He's not he's not an Aussie, but he's flying the flag and, and really helped develop what the culture of basketball here is and what it could be here in Australia. So uh again, thanks again to Homicide for jumping on and having a chat. What 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 a what a chat. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs>